Pulp MX Network production. EVS Sports brings you a cheeky Brit and an American YouTube racing sensation weekly on the LVK More Than Moto podcast. Here's your hosts, Lewis Phillips and Kellen Brower. Yeah, welcome everyone into episode six of the EVS Sports LVK More Than Moto podcast. Kellen Brower here from Racer X, Lewis Phillips from Vital MX in studio to cover some moto topics, non-moto topics, and everything in between in the sport of motocross and supercross. Lewis, how are you doing good, sir? I, I am well. How are you? I am doing quite well. You know what I'm most excited about this week right now? Mm-hmm. It's finally not raining here. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's, there's finally no racing here. No, no, no. I, I love racing. I would go racing again this weekend if we could, but it's been raining a lot in Southern California, and I'm glad that it's done. Yeah, it seems like it's done for a long time as well. <clears throat> yeah, hopefully, right? And uh, we get. Well, it's to... not what I signed up for. No, no, you <laughs> came out here for good weather and high prices. Don't, just, <laughs> Don't need to start on it's that. It's a lot. Don't need to start on that. Um, okay, so yes, if you're new to the show, we are going to debate six topics here today: two non-motos, uh, four of the motocross topics from the sport, and seven minutes each. So we try to cut ourselves off, but. Usually we go a little bit long. I don't know. How, do you think we're still pretty good at that, or are we are we've lost the plot? No, we've lost the plot. Yeah. But also some people hate the time limit, and some people love it, so yeah. I don't know. It is a mixed bag. That is, As uh, is sure. life. As is life, right? Um, so we'll get into our first topic here in just a minute. Before we do, want to give a big thank you to EVS Sports for bringing you guys this podcast. Over the past 39 years, EVS Sports has established themselves as the leaders in innovation and technology when it comes to designing protection gear for today's motocross riders. Athletes like RJ Hampshire, Kyle Chisholm, Freddie Norn, Axel Hodges, and Travis Pastrana all wear EVS when they race, ride, or whatever Travis decides to do that day. Check out evs-sports.com to gear up like the pros and use the code LVK30 to save on anything from knee protection to shoulder braces. Also, big shout out to Nomura for presenting the show this week, the leading provider of engine components for motocross, ATV, UTV, and personal watercraft for over two decades. Nomura has been the preferred choice for premium and dependable engine components for more than 20 years. Whether you're restoring your vintage bike, rebuilding your four-wheeler, or upgrading your new 450 race motor, Nomura has you covered. Our extensive line of cast and forged pistons, connecting rods, gasket kits, engine valves, and soon cylinder kits that enhance your engine's performance. Keep an eye out for our new and innovative products in 2024 and beyond. Stay up to date by following us on Instagram at Nomura underscore technologies. And of course, a big shout out to Racetech presenting the show as well. For 40 years, Racetech has been supplying the motorcycle industry with high quality suspension components made right here in the USA. For modern and vintage, Racetech is your go-to source for suspension performance. And as always, they will bring us our Racetech fan question of the week coming up here in just a little bit. Pretty good uh, moto topic, I feel like, that we can discuss on the heels of um, what happened this weekend in Glendale. So let's get into our first topic, uh, Lewis. And... Um, yeah, I think coming off of Detroit, a lot of people had question marks about Eli Tomac. It was a pretty tough race to watch. Uh, if you were an Eli Tomac fan, starts up front, fades to the point that he ends up getting lapped. And uh, team manager Jeremy Coker came out in the week to Jason Wygant and said, it wasn't a suspension failure of any kind. It was just our bike setup was off and Eli Tomac got arm pumped. So going into Glendale, hopes are high. Eli Tomac is good at Glendale. This is going to be a spot where if things will right, the ship in any uh, regard with Eli, that this is where it would happen. He ends up getting fourth, runs third for a long time, but gets fourth. So is this, uh, is this Eli Tomac is back? Like, are we okay with this result? 
Well, first of all, we didn't discuss or debate Tomac last week uh, because we felt as though it was blatantly obvious that it wasn't good. So there was yeah. no real debate. Whereas this, I feel as though there is a big debate. Um, I could listen to someone who feels as though it was a rebound, and I could listen to someone who feels as though it was another disaster. I'm somewhere in the middle. I feel like it was fine. Okay. But when I say fine, I mean I'm not going to sway either direction, and jury's out until Arlington. Right. It wasn't great, but it was still a fourth place. So you can't come down too hard on that, but that ties his worst result ever in Glendale. It was, a non- it was an anonymous fourth place. He was just kind of there and almost finished where he started, mm-hmm. not Eli Tomac-esque. Um, so yeah, those details that I just mentioned would point towards it being negative, but I can't go too far on that purely because the result of fourth place, perfectly acceptable. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it was just a, a. I don't think it would really register on the scale to us at all if the Detroit thing didn't happen. Like there was so much different expectation we had put on Eli coming into Glendale that uh, something big needs to happen for it to go uh, right again. If he just gets fourth in Glendale after like a fourth or fifth in Detroit, I think we're just like, all right, whatever. Like you know, he's still getting there. He's still figuring it out. But I think it going the way it did. Maybe suggest that there's, uh, you know, still work to be done. I had a brainwave this okay. morning. It doesn't happen often. So it was quite a shock to the system. But we all talk about the final main event of Anaheim 2's Triple Crown. Uh, as Tomac was amazing. What a great showing. Was it? It was the second main event in the Triple Crown. Where Tomac, Sexton and Roxon were coming through together. And... Again, from memory, I'd need to rewatch this to really zero in. From memory, Sexton passed Tomac in that battle, and Roxon and Sexton kind of shimmied away from Tomac a little bit. And yeah. now, in hindsight, at the, at the time, I kind of didn't even, you know, didn't really think much of that. Um, but now, in hindsight, with this additional data, I'm looking at that and wondering if maybe that was more of a more of a litmus test, more of an example of where he's at than we realized at the time. I Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I don't necessarily agree, though, because I feel like it's it's so different when you're battling through the pack uh, of what, what constitutes like speed at that point. Because and all it takes is Tomac getting like stuffed weird in a corner one time by a guy that he's trying to pass, and he loses two spots, and then he's stuck behind another guy for a lap or two, and then by the time he gets by him, they've already gone by him. And I get it. Like I see exactly what you're saying because Chase and Roxon definitely were with him, caught him, went by him, and moved away a and little moved bit. Moved away. Uh, but I think I didn't. I, I don't read it into it that much. There, Glendale. I can look at it a little bit more objectively because he was in clean air like no one around him so controls his controls his own destiny with his speed and jet lawrence caught and passed him but it wasn't like he was you know eating time away to roxon and anderson ahead of him either he was just in no man's land yes um and again as a solitary example anaheim to second main event maybe isn't much but if i'm a barrister looking to build a case against as bad as it sounds against tomac that is good evidence. Yeah. Now, alongside that paints a picture along with Glendale and Detroit that 
it's quite overwhelming, honestly. Yeah. That that's almost that additional bit of evidence that makes you go, hang on. That is a repeating that is a repetitive pattern. So I think we all kind of agree that the race was determined more or less by where Vince Freeze started because he kind of you know, they he started yeah. up there and then Anderson and Roxon got away and then Tomac finally got by Vince, got a gap on the field, and then Vince uh, took Coop and Hunter Lawrence and Jet and a little, all those guys a little while to get by him. Do you think if Vince isn't in that mix, and so right from the get-go, Eli has Webb, Hunter Lawrence, Jet, eventually Chase was in there, like all those guys right on him, does he still finish fourth? It's hard for me to say yes. Okay. Purely because, and now for him to not finish fourth, it would have been Hunter Lawrence who got him, which is a hard concept to wrap your head around um but he was he was just there he was just out there that's the best way to describe it um i had another brainwave this morning which i'm surprised i've not heard anyone mention and maybe there's nothing to it the detroit and glendale races have one item in common they both had the heat races reversed now we know tomac is a bit particular yeah with setup um maybe the big gap between heat races and main event is causing a lack of comfort or confidence that's a really good point that i hadn't considered no i'm surprised it hasn't come up and honestly when i i'm not even sure what made me what made it enter my mind this morning but when i did i was like how have i how have i not considered that how have i not heard that it almost makes too much sense well um you know in the press box when we were watching that I think Steven even said at some point, like, man, it's been a long time since we've seen the the 450 guys on the track, like the top guys. And it really is. Like, to start them, you know, heat one in the night and end with the main event, you're talking about a two and a half hour gap between seeing whoever was in heat one. And then uh, I talked to Lars Lindstrom about this, and he said the one thing that is tough for us to manage right now with the 450 starting first is they start with a fresh racetrack, like supremely fresh. Yeah. And it ends up with them having the worst racetrack by the end of the night in terms of notches, holes, ruts, etc. And so to adapt and have a bike setup that's compatible for both, uh, when all day long practice and qualifying, they actually had some you know real ruts and stuff to use, has been a you know something that they're really trying to work through. Um, I just was on my phone quickly because I wanted to check. Uh, Detroit, he was heat one. Uh, Glendale, he was heat two. So. Uh, Heat 2 is a little closer to the main event, but still. um, And, you know, again, looking at this, he got a bad start in the heat race in Detroit, so that was why he finished outside of the top five there. But that all links together in my mind. No, it does. And then, I mean, he got a great start in the main event in Detroit, but, um, yeah, I mean, Um, definitely not a good gate pick. Final point. We don't know Tomac. No No one does. He's an enigma. I would presume that he is a creature of habit. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I feel like the narrative around Tomac, though, maybe three years ago was like, you put him anywhere at any time and he's going to be really good. He's a bulldog. That's his personality. He just gets up and goes. He puts his boots on and goes. Like, I get it. I get where you're coming from. But um, maybe that's just what's changed since the injury. Maybe that's what's changed since he's become a family man. I don't know. I, I, I would like to look into this uh, heat race situation further because I do believe there is there has to be something there because that fits Tomac's history nicely. Yeah. So I don't want to go too long on this topic because we've already went over time, but Arlington is going to be another 
not 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 like Glendale ish track, but dry yeah. and hard pack, and it's a track that would arguably suit him in in that sense of things that he's done well at in the past. Um, with an off week, does it get any different? Like, does he come in guns blazing than in two weeks? Uh, I don't know, but it has to. Yeah, I mean, as you say, Arlington is a good litmus test for Tomac. And then Daytona's for week after. Yeah. So those two events have to go um, well for that reason. And also because if those two events don't go well, you can really strike him from title conversation. And my stance right now is he is not in title contention. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the stance that I believe Mathis took on the review show, um, that he's not in a title position. He's 17 points back, I believe. Uh, six riders are ahead of him which sounds so bleak, but then you think 17 back after six rounds doesn't sound terrible. Like It's it's a very interesting mix. I, I said know. this on the Vital MX post-race show after Detroit, so even before Glendale. Um, to steal Ricky's gate pick analogy, I take... Oh, wait, I'm going to get it the wrong way around. I take condition over position, Yeah. and I don't care what position Tomac is. Right now, I'm looking at the seven guys, and he is... As bad as it sounds, Seventh. the worst of a bunch. Mm. So I don't care how many points back he is. I don't care if he's second in points. I don't care if he's seventh. What I see is not a title contender. Yeah. I again don't want to keep going too long. Does he? Does he get a win? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we're I, gonna. I, but I, I almost say that not because I'm convinced, but because I feel like I have to. Yeah. No, I think he does too, and I think Jason does too, which means we'll get seven guys to win, which would be crazy. But that's where we're at right now with the series: five winners in six rounds. Um, all right, let's move into our uh, second topic, and um, it's kind of, I guess, a little similar, di- you know, discussion to what we had with uh, Langenfelder last week. Because right now, the the hot topic with GP guys is these off season, preseason races. We always have the Hawkstone International in the UK. Yep. They have the International Italian Championship. It, it, guys are kind of all over the place doing these preseason races. And um, I've heard you discuss this. Uh, I think when you're at MX Vice, yes. where you said. Um, it kind of takes away the the luster of the first round or like the the excitement behind it, right? Just, because you just shit all over okay, my I'm point. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get to <laughs> why you're bringing this to the table. You think that these preseason races should be abolished, like we shouldn't have them anymore. So yes, go ahead and continue. Yes, long time Lu- Lewis, long time Lewis listeners will know that this has long been a gripe of mine, um, and it's not because of the injury risk, which is a perfectly good reason. Um, the second moto at round one of the Italian championship, Lagenfelder and Adamo crashed in the first turn, and Adamo looked hurt. He's fine, but he was like walking off, holding his arm, like very shaken up. I don't care about that. Who cares? I want the preseason races to be cancelled in their entirety. Entirety? Entirety. I got a bit of a brain fog there. Um, because it takes away the fun. By the time we get to round one, we already know right now that Tim Geyser is really good. He's beaten Breaking Ro- news. He's beaten Roman Fevre twice. Yeah. So therefore, going into Argentina, I know that Fevre is not going to win because he's, be- he's worse than Geyser. The only question that remains is Prado and Hurlings. Mm-hmm. And that's just one example. My, my point is, part of the enjoyment of Anaheim 1 is... The unknown. We don't know a single point of discussion. It's all open. It's all open to interpretation. The riders don't know. It's great. When you get to Anaheim, when you get to Argentina, we 
kind of know, and it kind of feels like we're already five rounds into the GPs. Yeah. Like, it's kind of just a bit like, oh, yeah, guys, the guys is doing well. You know, you have those conversations. Yeah. Like, you, you walk around the paddock and you're like, so, yeah, it's going well, isn't it? He's happy. Like, whereas that doesn't happen at Anaheim 1 because you don't know. Yeah. Um. So just to try to, I guess, relate this to some of our American audience, because I feel like we have a, a, a pretty healthy American audience versus uh, European you audience that watches or listens to our show. Um, th- you know, th- is this something that in Europe... Like, this is the general feeling from fans, too. Like, fans go into the season. If you look at Facebook comments going into a GP season or whatever, they're just like, who cares? We already know guys are going to win. Like, is it because that would happen in the US 100%? If we had, you know, we had World Supercross rounds start the season mm-hmm. back in, you know, the yeah. mid 2000s. And so we got a chance to see Ricky and James and all these guys actually battle, uh, you know, in Toronto and all these other places. Um, so we kind of knew, and this is exactly what you're saying. We kind of know what is going on. So is the reaction of fans over there like, oh, bummer, we already know? No, but that is a greater issue of I do not believe that there are that many fans who are really involved and enthusiasts. Basically, there aren't really that many fans who care enough okay. to have an opinion. Um, but from memory, when I started rambling about this, I believe there was some support. Um, it just makes sense. Like, why, why spoil dessert with some more dessert? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, like it adds up. It adds up. Like, um, even last year, from memory, the one race that Prado did, he was beaten by Ruben Fernandez. So then, when Ruben Fernandez won the first round of MXGP, it was slightly more believable. And slightly less of a shock than it should have been. That should have been the biggest upset in the history of upsets. Um, but it wasn't. All right. So I just, yeah, I, let, let's keep a bit of mystery in the world. Let's keep a bit of the unknown. Because yeah. the unknown is what makes this great. The reason why Supercross is so good right now is because we still don't know. Once we know, we kind of all check out because we know. I guess, yeah. Oh, yeah, Tomac's going to win this weekend. Yeah, well, if Jet gets the start, you know, that's when it, everyone starts to lose interest. So you've got to hold on and bottle up that that curiosity for as long as possible. And the preseason races are counterproductive for that. I guess as a, a rebuttal to this a little bit, though, you, I know, are a big fan of just racing. Like, I want to watch racing. I want to see racing. Just repeat, 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 repeat. So this is, in your theory, taking away an opportunity to see the top athletes race a little bit more. Yeah, I don't care. And you don't care? No. Well, like, what about Paris? Like, we watched Paris Supercross. That actually had whoops. So we see Jet Lawrence and Hunter Lawrence on a 450 for the first time ever racing real Supercross. And so, in a way, doesn't that kind of spoil it just a little bit? I know that there was still two months until the season started, but we already got, we saw it. We saw what they could do. Yeah, but Paris is such a unique... The distance uh, to the start of a season, I believe, is the biggest point there. Because I was going to say that about the old World Supercross rounds. There was still a month or slightly less than a month before... Mm. I mean, they would do they would do them before Christmas, I think, but not, not a month. There was a good couple of weeks before Anaheim won. I guess, yeah. So... That's enough time for the picture to change. We're racing these preseason races until the week before. So we're essentially running through. By the time we get to Argentina, we've had 
four weeks worth of racing. Um, part of what makes F1 so interesting is the preseason testing is just a test. So although you see who's good, you don't really know. Yeah, this is a race. So yep, uh, he's good at starts. He's bad at starts. He can come through the field. He all of the questions are answered. Um, I believe that guys are came from last to second in the moto at Mantova at the weekend. He's great. Yeah. He's coming in firing. Would have liked some suspense to that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hit you from this, though, because GPs have a very different type of um, audi- core audience, I guess, is what you would call it, that they attack versus Supercross. Like, Supercross, uh, you know, the fans are, are going to watch. The fans are going to be there. GPs... Uh, you go to Argentina and the European fans watch it on TV, but I think for them it would be exciting if they were there, right? So this is an opportunity for European fans where a lot of the GPs are, where a lot of the GP riders you know, are from and stuff like that, to see them before they go fly away. Yeah. Right? And so the Hawkstone like, International is always really well attended. That's what I'm saying. So um, did Siwa race this weekend? Yes. Yeah, so... If you've never seen Jeremy Seawer on a Kawasaki before, the first time you see it is not on TV in Argentina. You can go in person and watch him do it. But is that not just pandering to everyone? Is that not everyone gets a medal? <laughs> I I don't know. I guess like. But oh, do you see? Do the you first time you saying? see Jeremy Seawer on a Kawasaki is on TV. Grow up. <laughs> like. <laughs> I guess like I don't know. Don't you when you go to Anaheim? Another part of the excitement is new new team. Yeah, and I will. And so you get there and you're like, oh my god, this is the first time I've ever actually in person seen. God, who switched teams this year? Not many people, but Chase. like, okay, yeah, Chase <laughs> on a KTM, sure. Um, there, yes, and I believe that social media has taken some of that away as well because by the time we get to Anaheim one, we have seen so many videos of riders on new bikes that it almost has lost its flavor. But you haven't seen them on a racetrack. No, but no, but and I'm. In support, I'm saying yeah. that Anaheim 1 is the example here. Um, it's a good example. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm indifferent. Uh, I was being contrarian to you, but I totally understand where you're coming from. Huh? It does It does take away the uh, excitement factor going into GPs. Because like you said, like we kind of already know. Uh, as I say, are, so. that's without even mentioning the amount of riders over the years who have gotten hurt at preseason races. Yeah, it is uh, staggering. Um, all right, let's get into our first non-moto topic again. Last week, we kind of changed the format up to include a non-moto in the middle and a non-moto at the end, and I think it was fine. I don't, I didn't hear any negative feedback. I've never heard week. negative about the format. Not negative, Mainly but just about me. Well, I mean, we did hear hear negative feedback from um, from Steve. He wanted the non-moto stuff at the end, and then Adam Wheeler wanted us to put the non-moto stuff in the middle. So we keep we're, we're getting pushed both sides. I believe it was mainly because Steve thought that our Sexton analysis was so good that he felt as though it had to be at the start, but I doubt we have that much good analysis most weeks. Yeah, so it doesn't no, matter. It's, it's pretty uh, mid. So let's get into uh, our first non-moto topic. And um, we were trying to come up with non-moto topics, and you and I were picking our, our hair out a little bit. Yeah, and then, wait, before, and then this one just like exploded into your brain. It seemed like before we go further, everyone sends us topics for, about racing. Yeah, send us what gripes you have about life, and <laughs> we will. See, like, give our opinion on that. Like, uh, just uh, like I have said on this many times, I enjoy the non-moto stuff more. So, give us whatever pisses you off. Give us what your children did that annoyed you, or give us what your mum did that annoyed you, or yeah. just give us examples and stuff as stupid and minimal as it sounds, and we'll hash it out. 
Yeah, well, we'll have a stupid probably one to talk about later. But this one, um, you know what? I, I'm not even going to lead in with it. I'm just going to have you take in run with it, Lewis Phillips. Uh, the issue is I don't remember what one we're doing first. Okay, the, it's about <laughs> the world getting on the same page. Go oh, ahead. yeah. I don't understand why... Now, I don't understand why the whole world can't just have the same words... The same, we'll all drive on the same side of the world, of the world, on, of the road. We all, why, why can't we do, why can't we just all get on the same page? Like, why does there have to be a grocery store or a supermarket? Why does there have to be a motorway or a freeway? Why does there have, like, it's just, what is the point? They're the same, a grocery store and a supermarket are the same. So why hasn't someone somewhere gone, why don't we just use the same word? It's just like it's just easy, and I could go further than this and say I'd quite like there to be just one language in the world, but I feel like that's quite offensive to some people, so I won't go that way. But it would be helpful. All of it would be helpful for sure, but I mean, like I feel like this is this is kind of obvious, but this is the first time in human history we've been this connected. You know, twenty five years ago, you could not just text someone or email someone immediately and get answers. 75 years ago, like, yeah, 100 years ago, you couldn't just fly across the ocean. You'd have to take a boat and that would take a very long time. So this like idea of everyone getting on the same page has never even been like a, a, mm. a point or something that could even happen until recently. Yes, but so, but it's all similar. Motorway, freeway, like... It's all similar enough. It's not like we've got a motorway in England and uh, ice cream here. See, I feel like this is a very England versus USA. No, not debate. at all. I don't get use the American words. I don't care. But, but just but, it's but, weird. Is it not weird? But we're but it's so different. Like, is it not strange? I guess. But everything is going to be slightly different. Like, look at the U.S. For example, we are all we all speak the same language and live in the same country, and the the way people live or the terms that they use in the south of the US is way different than like yeah. New England or something like that. Uh, so it's just like you grow up in a region, you grow up in a certain area, everyone picks up on similar dialects or similar ways of doing things. And that's how you just grow up. And because it's not easy to just like, you know, morph into a another place very quickly, you can't just be like living in Alabama and suddenly five seconds later you're in California. You're not going to get that worldview, that world perspective to kind of like pull us all in and be on the same page very easily. Fair. But it would be easier. It would be easier. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, look at look at this day and age. Like we're in an uh, information age where everyone's quite easily able to communicate with each other. With their cell phones. And we still have wars. All we still have orders. religious wars, which is something that happened hundreds of years ago. And we're still having them today. Yeah, so but it's just the world. I don't want to fix for wars. I just want to fix mobile phone and cell phone. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> your problem is, is that we have phones. And when you try to communicate with someone, things are slightly different. Well, it's just weird. I, I mean, like, <laughs> it's just like, I don't understand why we can't just all get on the same page. I, I feel like I just kind of laid it out. Like, Should I try and get everyone on the same page? I sure, Lewis. Stand up. I don't know how to do it. I could try. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as, as I said, a bigger topic would be, imagine if the whole world spoke the same language, but we won't get into that. Well, I think that's probably the only way that ever happens. 
is if the whole world speaks the same language. But for Be- instance, because because the way that people interpret stuff b- between the different languages and the way they speak it are so different. Okay, but in the English speaking countries, like even Australia has different words for stuff than England and America. So we're all we're all just doing like there's no cohesion here. No. I would I would say in some senses it's getting better because we have that communication aspect now that we didn't have before. And in some cases it's worse because suddenly everyone has a voice and it just makes it worse. Like I don't I, I feel sometimes when I uh get into like a Twitter thread or something like that, I lose the plot so fast on what people are actually talking about because they're using words that and it's like it makes me sound like, oh, I'm a boomer or whatever, but they're literally using words that like don't make sense anymore. Because that's just usually yeah. shorthand stuff, really weird, and and all this because that's the technology way of talking. Yeah, the same way that when we all got cell phones fifteen twenty years ago, instead of having to type out "haha, I'm laughing" every single time, you just "lol," yeah. "haha," whatever. Like we, it's just a constant movement and change that's happening with us because we want things to be faster and easier and shorter, and things happen a different way in different parts of the world. Well, I guess that's the way the world is. <laughs> we'll deal with it. I just I feel like it's I just feel like I mean it does make complete sense and I do sound like an idiot, but it would be easier. It would be easier. It would yeah, it'd be nice to um yeah, it'd be nice to go to Europe and not feel like I have to like learn the laws and learn all that stuff of ways of getting around and like it is bizarre that we drive on different sides of the world uh, road. Oh, why do I keep saying sides of the world? I don't know. What well, it is bizarre that we keep that we drive on different sides of the road. Yeah, why does the UK do that? Like, what? Like it's spe- so basic. It's like, like is that just someone made a random decision five hundred years ago and that's that? Do you do you know like oh, from UK history not. lessons? So okay, so someone who is uh, from the UK that knows why did you take history lessons? Yeah, we did a whole semester on um <coughs> on why we drive on the whatever okay, side well, of the road. Okay, well, in my history classes in the US, of course, they explained how the highway systems expanded across the US and the way that they chose to do it, purpose built. And have you ever noticed in the US that highways uh north to south in terms of interstate and, and west to east are numbered a certain yeah. way. So you know that. Yeah. Again, we learned that. That's I just was asking if you we, knew something. We about mainly learned about um that. we mainly learned about Hitler. Well <laughs> not to bring it down. No, but, but we our... did too. Yes, that's also part oh. of US history. I'm sure that your your history and how that's told is slightly different but also similar to how it's told to us. Yeah. I don't know much I'm sure about... that Great Britain was was um amazing. In well, that war. we got Hitler into the podcast, so we're doing well. well I did not actually say Hitler, but well, you did. Well, so. that was on our checklist to yeah. shoehorn in. So. We're going to wrap around into that somehow, somewhere. Let's other. move on. Okay, we're moving on. We just oh, hit the uh, end of the timer anyway. Um, so we're at the halfway point of the show. And um, as a reminder, of course, this is the EVS Sports LVK More Than Moto podcast. Over the past 39 years, EVS Sports has established themselves as the leaders in innovation and technology when it comes to designing protection gear for today's motocross riders. Athletes like RJ Hampshire, Kyle Chisholm, Freddie Norton, Axel Hodges, and Travis Pastrana all wear EVS when they race, ride, or whatever Travis decides to do that day. Check out evs-sports.com to gear up like the pros and use the code LVK30 to save on anything from knee protection to shoulder braces. All right, it's time to get into our Race Tech Fan Question of the Week. We took to the world of uh, Twitter and uh, tried to get the fans involved again this week because I dropped the ball and missed that last week. So 
our first race tech fan question of the week which of course race tech uh lewis race tech gold valves provide a plush feel with drastically improved bottoming resistance and increased traction all race tech products are 100 percent guaranteed and made in the usa we bleed red white and blue here in the usa okay <laughs> I'll, I'll leave shall i Jeez. well i mean you're just trying to you know bring us all into one big melting pot so i'm saying welcome to the usa here we are here we are yep um, so our race tech fan question of the week comes from Jason Valento at slowride eight five eight on Twitter. And he asks, will the success of, of HEP HEP team lead to more investment into racing development by Suzuki to capitalize on the situation or less because why spend money on development if we can already win Lewis Phillips, you have the floor. Um, from all that I know and I have sources to Suzuki Japan, obviously, because GPs have more direct communication. Um, Suzuki's out. They've tried. People have tried time and time again with good business proposals. The Will... Uh, I don't know if I was allowed to say... Sure. The Wilvo team, when they lost Yamaha, they had a meeting with Suzuki um, about bringing Suzuki back and beat Wilvo Suzuki. Uh, and Wilvo is one of the most self-funded teams, so it would have been very much plug-and-play for Suzuki. Yep. With... Uh, GP winner, and that's not to mention the fact that Coldenoff won a GP on a Suzuki. So there's even that synergy similar to Roxon, and they weren't interested in the slightest. Wow. So, um, I can't remember if I was meant to say that or not. Uh, I well. think, I believe that I was told not to repeat that. Well, if you think you were told not to repeat that, you probably weren't, but uh, let's continue anyway, on with that. So that was interesting, yeah. and then uh, when Strybos was a privateer on Suzuki, Yep. Um, obviously, well, you think Suzuki, you think Strybos. Strybos is deep in there. Um, he raced for them for like a million years. Um, when he was a privateer on a Suzuki and started his own Suzuki team, he kind of proposed that he would start as his own privateer Suzuki and build up, like give Suzuki a... Basically, this is a way for Suzuki to start at the bottom and build. They wouldn't even give him a free bike. He yeah. had to go to Suzuki Germany to get a bike. They would not even give him a bike. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, every, all that I know is that um, Suzuki has no interest. And if anything, I would imagine that Kenny winning only boosts that further because they go, oh, sweet, we won. That, yeah. This is working. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I will say in terms of the development side of it a little bit, I think there is some changes coming to the machine soon. Um, They've I don't been think... saying that for so long. Look, from people I talk to, it sounds like it's legit. Okay. Um, as soon as in 2025? Five. Yeah. Okay. Um, so maybe they, they you know, there's a little bit more interest and excitement. You know, the, the weird thing is here in the U.S., it still feels like Suzuki has a decent presence because of Kenny yeah. and because of Hep. In GPs in Europe, it's like... What's a Suzuki? Yeah, who they're gone. They've been gone for how long? Six years, seven years uh, now since the yeah. last time? Yeah, so it's been... Beta um, have a bigger representation. Exactly. <laughs> well, they and, kind of do here as well, almost. Well, honestly, like it's one of the things that's worried me a little bit about Suzuki is, uh, you know, as Ducati comes in, Triumph comes in, Beta's here, uh, who knows else, who else is also coming down the road. But uh, as these manufacturers grow, and there's obviously excitement about the new manufacturers to some degree... I think that there's going to be some dilution in the amount of motorcycles sold from each brand in the sport. And I think that that negatively impacts Suzuki the most. Yeah. And also to piggyback off of that, if you are 
um, if you're Suzuki and you want to make another push, it's quickly becoming a rider's market because there are more rides than there are riders. Um, I interviewed the head of off-road programs at Triumph in Detroit in a story that will be out on Vital maybe this week. Um, it just needs to be approved by Triumph. Um, and I said, like, well, one, I said, did do when you found out the Ducati were coming in, did it scare you off for the same reason? Yeah. Like, well, not scare you off, but were you like, oh, shit, like, this is suddenly right, right, a right. lot more boom or bust? And they said no, because, you know, we need to get people interested in the sport. So the more of us that can come in and do that, the better, which is a very PR answer. And then after the fact, I wish I'd also asked, did anyone raise Suzuki as a, as a case study? Because you would think that someone internally would have gone, well, Suzuki were like winning and they just left. So it can't be that good. Yeah. You would think, right? Yeah, it I would make sense. That. Yeah, it would be like, yeah. uh, what's going on here? Yeah, you would look at, you would be like, okay, we need to really try and look into what Suzuki. I I believe it helps that Suzuki pulled out of MotoGP. Yeah, because that now makes it now that may, now makes it that we are not the only ones. But for the period where it was just this sport that Suzuki pulled out of, um, it wasn't a great look for us. I don't believe, but then maybe it was because Triumph and Ducati entered in that time. Um. This is probably getting a little bit too into the weeds with this, uh, but people that are older than me are going to have much better perspective of this. But the 80s was a bit of a golden age for moto, right? There was a lot of bike sales. They were cheap, affordable motorcycles. And the 80s is also when we lost a lot of manufacturers. CZ, Kajiva, Mako, all brands like that yeah. going out of business. Or, or just stopping for some reason. A lot of them made it to the 90s, but then just went away. Uh, I am a little concerned that that is something that could happen with brands here. And obviously, Suzuki would be the first one to fall, and you would hope that none others go with it. But we had a boom uh, because of COVID, where a lot of people were buying motorcycles, and it seems like a lot of people bought in yeah. to, okay, people are buying motorcycles again, and uh, we've leveled out. In some cases, gone back down. So there's there's less market for people buying motorcycles year after year. It seems, right? Yes. And that would be my biggest concern. Is that that's how we lose a manufacturer? Yes. Uh, I don't really have a counter to that, other than I believe the people who buy a Ducati are going to be a very certain type of people, and the same with Triumph. So I don't necessarily believe that one manufacturer will see a massive dip. I guess, but like, what happens if you're, especially now with electric motorcycles coming in, what happens if you're Suzuki and you've been a Suzuki guy for your life? You love the chassis, you love the feel of that. And then you get one of the electric motorcycles, either a Stark or a Honda or whatever comes after that. And you're like, this is great. I love this. Suzuki's not making an electric bike. Well, so the long rumor has been that Suzuki are waiting for electric bikes. I'm not sure if I've ever got that from a valid source, but I feel like the the word for a good five years now is that Suzuki will come back when it goes electric. And that's what they're waiting for. Yeah. Well, I think we also hear, I don't know how much you hear this. I hear that like the Hep Suzuki thing is not like, oh, we're locked in stone going toe, toe for yeah. toe for the next 30 years. Like, no, Hep is a satellite uh, type of team that would jump to a different manufacturer if something better was available. So yeah. at the moment, I almost look at it as kind of the opposite. Hep is helping Suzuki, not oh, the other oh, way around. Oh, yeah, right? obviously. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's without doubt. 
So that's I think that's what's keeping, you know, kind of Suzuki going at the moment. Fact. Fact. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of our our take on uh, Suzuki. It'd be nice because obviously with Kenny riding as well as he has in keeping them on the map, like I want all the brands to succeed. But the biggest test something... will be if Kenny wins the championship. Because if Suzuki win this championship, surely, surely, that's enough for someone to go. This is good. I, I don't think so. <laughs> no, neither do I. But because guess what. Four years ago, Suzuki won the MotoGP World Championship, and yeah, guess who doesn't have a factory team yeah, in MotoGP anymore? So, yeah, I, I, Suzuki is is what they are at this point. Like Suzuki, they, yeah, Suzuki's all but dead. I don't want to say that, but I think that they don't have anything like super awesome, you know, coming down the pipeline in terms of he were reborn and here we go again. So, I just hope they don't go away. Um, so yeah. Let's get into our non-moto topic, or not non-moto, sorry, I was thinking of the old format. Let's get into another moto topic. This one was a uh, kind of little fun banter between us in the press box, uh, yourself, myself, and Steve Mathis. Um, I think we did it during qualifying yep. or practice or something like that, and we were trying to decipher if you look back to, because this is a close title fight between mm -hmm. a lot of guys, but if you look back to 2006 when it was arguably the closest best title fight ever between the best ever. Yep. Ricky Carmichael, James Stewart, and Chad Reed. We're trying to determine which of this current crop of athletes on the track is Ricky, James, and Chad from then to now. Yeah, and this started because well, I don't know how it started, but the first the first the first um point to enter the fray was you saying that Chase is Chad. Which I really disagreed with. <laughs> I know you do. Because Chad's MO in those days was consistency, um, picking up the pieces, blah, blah, blah. And Chase, less so this year, but still, Chase's MO is raw speed and all of that good stuff, which isn't Chad. Yeah, but my point of it was Chad Reed in 2003 and four, when he was first trying to win yep. a title, was, I don't want to say like loose, because... He didn't crash a whole yeah. lot, but he definitely hung it out a little bit more and would try to do hot laps and fast laps and send whatever he could to beat Ricky. And then I feel like by the time James and Ricky started battling each other, they had gone into that realm and were just hanging it out to beat each other. And Chad's like, you know what? I'm good. I'll let you guys crash in front of me and win this race. And I feel like that's almost a little bit through the first five because I don't want to count Glendale because Chase has uh, yep. you know, the hand thing. The first five was Chase is not going to break his back to beat Jet Lawrence. And it was happening last year during nationals. I'm not going to break my back to beat Jet Lawrence. I'll get him next time. And that's what I saw out of Chad all those years where he took the title all the way to the end with Ricky and James, but wasn't winning every single week or the fastest guy every single week. Okay. Maybe it will go down that direction. It's way too soon to say that. Is my point. I'm pulling from outdoors too. This isn't just the first five rounds of Supercross. We just watched Jet beat Chase uh, 18 times outdoors because Chase missed a couple rounds. And all of them were Chase is really good. He's going really fast. He's close. Just not quite there to get it done. And then we see in Detroit, Jet gets out front. Chase is behind him. Tries to reel him in a little bit. Doesn't work. Tries to reel him in a little bit. Okay, okay settles for a second. That's a really good point. But still, we're just we're just disregarding what we saw last year in Supercross. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to 
I'm trying to bridge the gap. I'm saying 2003 Chad Reed or 2004 yep. Chad Reed is Chase last year. Yep. 2006 Chad Reed is Chase this year, from what I'm seeing so okay. far. And then the common conception in the press box was that Jet is, is James. James. Yep. Which, again, I struggle with a little bit because Jet hasn't really been crashing that much. No, but now we're starting to see the rookie mistakes. Yes, so I can I can accept that. Yeah. And then Ricky, we really struggled with. Well, we said Eli. Which if Eli was was better, yeah, because we've never had, Ricky was never just out there. Yeah. So then, I don't know who you would say next after that. Webb. Well, I guess? no, because is is Ricky not Chase? Why? Because because Ricky was still smart, but also had the ability to make the difference. See, if we go back to last year and the championship fight between Chase, uh, Webb, oh, and that was Eli. easy. Webb was Chad. Uh, Chase was James, and Tomac was Ricky. That was easy. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So that's exactly what I'm trying to build into this year, though. Is like I don't know how we make of who is the Ricky Carmichael. He's really good. He's probably the same ish speed as Jet on some nights, and yeah, we'll Chase. beat him purely because. I feel like Ricky was happy to let James have one if James was just on another level. But then also on on other weeks, Ricky had enough to make the difference himself. Yeah. See, well, see, like my interpretation of this is so different because when we started talking about it, I said Chase is like Chad looking at like 2008 uh, or 2007 because they actually battled more. But 2007, James and Chad, dude, they were very close often. Like, I, Some rounds, James just wiped the floor with him. Some rounds, Chad was on him for a lot of the main event. Same in 2009. I mainly remember 2007 as being a whitewash. Yeah, I, I guess James maybe more 2009. but like for races? I need to see Chase catch and pass Jet and win to change my mind on that. I Okay, so I go Chase is Ricky. I accept that Jet is James. And then Tomac is Chad now. Think back to 2006. Did you see Ricky Carmichael catch and pass James Stewart and win main events? Yes. Has Chase done that yet? But this, we've got two smaller sample size. I guess, but I'm still talking a little bit about outdoors from last year as a comparison. I want Tomac as Chad, Chase as Ricky, Jet as Stewart. That's what I'm going with. Okay. You're going with what? I would say uh, Chase, Chad, Webb, Ricky on some nights because not obviously in Glendale and then Jet is James. Okay. So that's it. Debate over. We've put our topics down. Um, let us know in the comments who you agree with. Um, Neither of us. They're going to call us so stupid for even talking I, about this. You saying Webb is Ricky is out there. But you, you think Eli is better a better choice of no. being Ricky? Chase is Ricky. <laughs> Eli is Chad. Who has been... Uh, no, actually, I'll put, I'll put almost, it this way. Who has been in the exact same race as Jet this year, and Jet has started in front of them, and they beat him? Everyone? What? Well, Jet's whole shot and led the whole way, so he's been ahead of everyone. No, I'm saying who has been in a race with Jet this year, Jet whole shots, and that person beats Jet? No one. One person. Yeah. What? Cooper Webb. When was that? Anaheim won heat race. <laughs> 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 we're not we're not counting heat races. <coughs> um we're not counting heat races. 
I'm just saying. I'm happy. I'm happy with mine. I don't know where you've got the what. If I had to change one of mine, I would maybe take Tomac out and put Anderson as Chad. Mm, Not one nah. of race yet, but he's been outside of a top five only once, and that was a mud race. I feel like he's too fluctuating. So he far. is, but so far he hasn't been. My my standing with calling Chase Chad is I think that this. I, I use it as a positive to say, dude, last year he was like almost crash or win, almost James level. This year so far, I have not seen that out of him, and I think that's smart. I think that's how you win 450 titles. Yeah, and Ricky did a lot of those, which is why I've got Ricky as Chase. Okay. Chase is Ricky. All right, so we're really at, the crux of this is is Chase, Ricky, right. Carmichael, or Chad. It's down, it's down to you. Lewis's is Chase is Ricky, Tomac is Chad. Jet is Stuart. Kellens is Webb is Ricky. Chase is Chad. Jet is Stuart. But Jet is is James clearing away. That's like, it. We got Debate. that figured out. So there we go. Yeah, That's, okay. It's yeah. up to you now. Right. Um, I mean, I'm actually excited about this. Okay. This will be a good little debate. I can't wait till we both get cancelled. I've already been cancelled every week. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Uh. It's time to our to go to our final topic. It's a non-moto topic, and it's kind of twofold. One of them. One of which is uh. To give backstory to this, because we're going to talk about the Jack in the Box side of it first. Yes. Uh, to give backstory to this, I'm in a text thread with Chris Betts, Steve Mathis, and Jason Thomas, and it's all about baseball talk. And one night, somehow, some way, they got onto what are your favorite fast food joints? I don't know why. It was during a pulp show, so Steve was doing the pulp show. And they had all these stipulations about what is a fast food place or not. Does it have a drive-thru? If it's not, if it doesn't have a drive-thru, it's not a fast food place. So, okay, Chipotle, out. And... Uh, Five guys out too, I think. Like some five guys have drive-throughs apparently, but some I've never seen have one. I've never seen one, and so they they ruled that those could not count. Again, I'm just going by the rule book here. So it was like your tried and true fast food places, the McDonald's and the you know places like that. And uh, so that is the rule book that I went by, and I put Jack in the Box in my top five, not number one in my top five because it's a place that I go to frequently. It's got a very good mix of stuff, in my opinion, uh, to choose from. And they called me an idiot, and they called JT on the show to call me an idiot, and they called Chris Betts on the show to call me an idiot, and then just dragged me and never called me to ask my thoughts on it. So, uh, first of all, have you had Jack in the Box yes. before, Lewis? Um, not much, because it's not a place that I look at and go, that's where I'm going. <laughs> um, but... What I have from there, which I really like, uh, their chicken nuggets are really good. Okay. Their chicken nuggets yeah. are really, really good. Not really fussed about the rest of it, but their chicken nuggets are really good. But you're a burger guy. Have you ever had their burgers? No. No? no. Interesting. Okay. I like their little tacos that they have. Um, yeah, I was talking to someone last night who said about their tiny tacos. Well, they have tiny tacos, and then they have... Uh, it used to be two for 99 cents. Now it's two for like a buck 59 or something like that. Two tacos. And they're they're not tacos. We live very close to Mexico, and I know what tacos really are. Oh, That's God. not a taco. Calm down. Prado knows Calm what tacos down. are. Calm down. Um, but yeah, like it's not great food. It's food that will get you there, and that's what fast food all is. Like that's all fast food is. Sidebar. On pulp, when you said to Prado about like Mexican food, blah blah blah, is that like low key racist in his mind? Probably. Yeah. It was not. I was not trying to go oh, with that route. Because my my, my angle with it is because we are so close to Mexico, there is more fresh Mexican food here than Thai food, 
or something okay. like that. Well, sidebar over. Okay, continue. No, you were talking. <laughs> oh, I was? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, anyway, so Jack in the Box is fine. I don't, it's not a big deal. Well, yeah, I like the chicken nuggets. Yeah, so That's you like their chicken nuggets. Um, and, and their curly I, fries are quite good as well. Uh, do you have a fast food place that includes a drive-thru that you would well, put Chipotle in the has drive-thru. The new one on Winchester has a drive-thru. No, it doesn't. The new one in a new complex. The new one on Winchester, like uh, past KTM. Oh, I definitely have been past KTM, dude. Yeah. There's nothing up there. No, there's a, it's a whole new complex. They built a McDonald's, a Chipotle, uh, grocery outlet, uh, EOS Fitness. Uh, you should really speak to the local Lewis <laughs> Apparently, for some I mean, update on what's going dude, on in the local area. It's like the airport and then like grasslands. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's the airport, and then you just go. It's basically the next junction down. Okay. You should really check right, it out. Apparently, I need to go up there. I went in there. I was in there the other week. And um, have you gotten drive through Chipotle? No. Okay, I, so then I take it off your list. Okay. okay. I, well, I, I'm not a drop. I don't get drive through anything because what I, I refuse. I only get drive through if it's absolutely a necessity because the inside is closed or whatever. What? So like, let's I'm say, against drive through. Let's say you're coming back from uh, the you know, let's say you're coming back from Millville. On a press day or something like that. So you just went and shot press day, you and Sean, and you're I've never it. been to Millville, so I can't comment oh, okay. on what's um, there. Um, Coming back from Anaheim. Yeah, but it's 10 o'clock at night. There's like 98 places to eat. I'm trying yeah. to find something where you have nothing but fast food to go to. Yeah. And you would just, instead of like, okay, we need to get back to the hotel and get get work done, let's go in. Got, yeah, it's let's be go done. into yeah. McDonald's and get it's us It's the same a amount of time because you've got to eat it one way no, or another. You can eat it in the car. No, that's dirty. Oh my God, Lewis! Um, oh, we're getting way off topic. Um, but... Yeah, I'm against drive through. Not only is it dirty to eat it in the car, if you wait five minutes, it gets cold. See, so you... I'll park up, I'll go in, and eat my food when it's hot and ready to eat. Yeah, I eat my food right as soon as I get it in the car as I'm driving to the stadium. No, that's, and then you're not enjoying the food because it's just like a rush. I don't experience. I don't get fast food to be like mm, savory. I get it because I need to get something quickly before I go to the track no. or come back from. You the are track. incorrect. Okay, and that is um, sad. All right, we're halfway through this uh, seven-minute spiff. In the other half of it, we want to talk about. Well, you never got my favorite. You asked me my favorite. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite? Um, so not including Chipotle. I I've had some bad experiences with In-N-Out lately. Wow. So much so that I haven't even considered an In-N-Out for like eight weeks. That's how bad. I had four in a row mm. that were hor- horrid. Hor- horrid. Yeah, I was going to say horrific and then I changed last minute. Um, yeah, so I have, in, In-N-Out is out for, In-N-Out is out for me okay. at the moment. Um, so not including Chipotle, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, thank God you said that. I, I, forgot, I, was like, I forgot about it about until the, the last minute. three here in the, yeah. you know, In-N-Out, Chipotle, Chick-fil-A. So, um, but if I'm not, if I don't want chicken at uh, McDonald's, if I want a burger at McDonald's. Okay, see, so, so you'd put it in your top five? No, I don't know about that. Well, Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, In-N-Out, McDonald's, I don't even have a fifth, so my top five isn't that. So you'd put it in your top four. Well, Steve Mathis, <laughs> alert, Lewis Phillips, even, McDonald's not, in the top four. But I, I don't have a fifth. I can't even think of an option. You know Subway, we, I guess? You know what we should do? We should have a uh, special edition episode of LVK off week or maybe off season and we taste test fast food. Okay. <laughs> we see which which ones are better Okay. <laughs> get to this point. Okay. Um, so Chipotle, uh, well, yes. y- you had a very mm. interesting rant about them. This has happened to me a few times and it is disgusting. Okay. So well, so it's like Subway-esque. Yep. Um, they move you along through the different stations 
And sometimes the area where they move your food along, there's a lot of like ingredients that have just trickled onto the side. Lettuce and sauce. And and then they just drag your burrito through all of this mess. Mm-hmm. Makes my stomach turn. Clean your fucking side. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not that hard. Oh, one wipe. Even I'm not asking for it to be spotless, but one just quick wipe to get rid of the massive dump of... Um, what's the white sauce? Sour cream? Sour cream. Sour yeah. cream. Like, let's get that gone. And then don't get me started on like... So like, I got some cheese the other day. Yeah. And there was a load of lettuce in the cheese. And I said, I'll take some cheese, please. Not the one... Not the stuff with... Not... I would take some cheese, please. Not cheese with lettuce. And they got really pissed off at me. But I was like... I don't want you to just take... A, oh, yes, I'm going to take this sir's... Uh, handful of cheese and now he's got lettuce as well that he didn't ask for <laughs> but they got really pissed off at me for asking yeah just clean your side it's called fast food it for reminds a reason, me of that um, F1 clip where change your car yeah, change your fucking car <laughs> Ch- clean you your got a problem inside. change your car um, uh. um no yeah just do that <laughs> do that it's, it's not one wipe yeah. I've almost considered a few times saying to them, you can clean that before you move have you on. Ever, uh, have you ever seen before, maybe they do this in the UK, but they definitely do it in the US where they take a celebrity, like an athlete or something like that and make them work at a McDonald's for a day? Like I've heard of it. Never seen it. We need to do this with you at Chipotle. We need to, Lewis at a Chipotle well, workstation for a day. spotless. You'd just be whoosh, whoosh every yeah, time. And there would be no lettuce in the cheese. No lettuce in the cheese. white rice in the brown rice. Because that happens, doesn't it? No, I, I get exactly where you're coming yeah. from this. So. Um, Sad. Sad. Um, but you understand this is called fast food, right? Like yeah. not slowly wipe the yeah. countertops and make Clean it... Clean the side. It will take a nanosecond. Nanosecond. I just want one wipe. I don't want it to be a meticulous wipe. I don't want it to be a deep clean. So it just ends up just all over face, the floor? Put the tra- get the trash can. Well, but then you have to go get an item, a trash can, pull it close, wipe well, it off. It's taking like look, 15 seconds. They're on a clock, Lewis. They get fired if they don't get your burrito done in four minutes. Really? Well, they definitely get metered for that uh, stuff, so... If, well, 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 experience I had the other day, they finished my burrito, wrapped it up, I was just stood at the counter, waiting for like five minutes for someone to come and like make me pay, Yeah. so I put it in a basket myself, and went and sat down, they had a go at me, and I was like, I've been stood here for five minutes, it's cold now, I want my warm burrito, so I was like... And then, and then, oh, so I went out to pay, and they went, uh, "What was it? Just a chicken burrito?" And I went, "You're yeah, a cold one." And they looked at me like I was deaf, and I was like, "It's not hard. It's not hard." <laughs> oh man, your uh, your vernacular sometimes when you have rebuttals is, is fantastic. I love it. What does vernacular mean? Should we go back to ambit versus trajectory? <laughs> I was going to use ambit in a article at the weekend, and Kellen told me to stop. I'm just trying to say, man, sometimes... What what do you mean by my vernacular? Vernacular. You've never heard the word vernacular? Man, all right. I outdid a British person in vocabulary. What's vernacular? Vernacular Vernacular is just like um, use of wordage, basically. Sure, I guess. um, Anyway, uh, so yeah. Clean your fucking side. side. Clean your side. (laughs) Oh, man. That's going to be the title of the show. Clean your side. You got a problem with your sides? Clean your sides. Um, final quick one minute 
um, topic. Hit me. We went to mini golf at the weekend, and you were disgusted with how competitive. I, I wasn't was. disgusted. I was just I, every time you you took it very serious. We and were I was halfway through the eighteen hole course, and I went, Kellen, just to let you know, we're tied at the moment. And you went, I don't care. And I was like. <laughs> It's mini golf. Yeah. Even on a regular golf course, I don't think I'd care. We're keeping score, which means it's a competition and there's going to be a winner. Oh, boy. I could have not told you that we were tied, but I told you because I was like, you may want to up his game here because we're halfway through. We're tied. It's coming down to the wire. And you just went, I don't care. And I thought, you know what? Because I'm there to have fun. No, you're there to win. Oh, boy. You know what? Let's save this because this is going to be a great topic. Just wait until I'm a schoolboy dad. How competitive you are. We got to get you... uh, Man, honestly, we should get you to do some like uh, rec league American sports. Rec league. Yeah, it's like a recreation center oh, rec- has like oh, rec- local. Oh, okay. I thought you meant rec as in crash. No, rec as in recreation. Yeah, so yeah. like you know, go to your local rec center and they have a basketball you know team and and get Lewis Phillips out there shooting from downtown. Yeah, no, fuck, my teammate. If he's yapping away, I'd go, Oi, chatty. <laughs> We're here to fucking win. Oh, that would be great. What was it? I had something like that in school once and I got in big trouble. What was it? It was a sport thing. And I was putting my best foot forward as I tried to do. And someone on my team was just fucking around. I was like, mate, out. It, was in my, it wasn't even my position. Yeah. But I was like, if you're going to fucking cost us a win, out. <laughs> okay. And th- you got... you got. Uh, I got shit with that. Yeah. Told, yeah, I, was, I, told so. I wasn't allowed to tell people yeah. that. Like the people at Chipotle? Mate, like, I won't out. Even, I won't, if, I'm, if we go to mini golf... Yeah. And before we start, you, I go, oh, let's see who wins. And you go, I don't care who wins. I'm not playing. So if we went if we went beforehand and I said, like, I'm just here to have fun, you'd be like, all right, we'll turn around then. I'd be like, fuck this then. What's the point? Okay. My goodness. That's ridiculous. Um, But Pop Stroke, fun times. Um, Pop Stroke's you, good. Thank you for uh, it was good, in- inviting it? me out. Yeah. No, it was great. Um, Tiger Woods owned. Yeah. And designed. Yeah. I had two holes in one. There was a lot. One of my holes in ones. One of my holes in one holes in. One <laughs> I was gonna see which one you were gonna. One say. of my hole in ones. Holes in one. I don't know. Ace. <laughs> we use the term ace sometimes in golf. You could say that. Two, one of my aces. That's. I honestly don't know what's correct. Holes in one or one holes in ones in hole. You're gonna go back and try to figure this out now. One of my aces was so perfectly timed that it just dropped yeah. in the hole. But I heard claps all around. <laughs> well, we were all excited for yeah, it. Yeah, I, I just I, I was in the moment, obviously. And, and I, I feel like on the, cheers. On and the, you know what? what? The people ahead of us, when I walked up, they went, That's how you do it. Oh. And I went, Oh, yeah. You don't need and to tell me. I lived laughs. it. Yeah, so thank you, you very much. You yeah. don't need to tell no. me, so I just lived that. On the flip side, though, you're so competitive. I think if I got a hole in one, you'd be like, All right. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, no, you're. I, I, I would then put more pressure on me to get another hole in one. Yeah, exactly. But you didn't get a hole in one, did it's you, Kellen? Miniature golf. You didn't get a hole in one, did you, Kellen? Tiger Woods is not there scouting. You didn't get a hole in one, did you, Kellen? No, I didn't. No. Calm down, Lewis. And you, did you win? No. Mm, no. Anyway. Sad. Sad. All right, Lewis. Thanks for uh, joining me again. Fun topics this week on LVK More Than Moto. Did you have fun on this one? Clean your fucking side. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys, for uh, tuning in. EVS Sports, Nomura, and Race Tech bring you the LVK More Than Moto podcast every week, and we thank them for the support. So shout out to them. We should be back maybe next week after the off week. We're going to decide whether or not there's enough topics to discuss. Either way, we'll definitely be back after Arlington round seven in two weeks time. So thanks guys for tuning in and we'll see you in either a week or two weeks. See you guys.